This week on SUP FM, we've got Suzanne Lear, who was born in Germany, lives in Switzerland, and spends a lot of time in Fuerteventura when she's not racing around the world. But her main thing is paddle fit, and we're really excited to discuss paddle fit with her. Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand up paddle boarders everywhere. So, with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Welcome, Welcome Suzanne Lear. It's lovely to have you on SAP FM. Hello. Nice to be nice uh, to talk to you guys too. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So you've been in, um, you just divide your time between Switzerland and Fuerteventura, right? Yeah, now it's like the second season. I do that because I'm independent uh, in SAP business since two years now. And of course, working in the summer in Switzerland is a perfect idea. But after you have to leave the country too. Uh, enjoy the waves and the the ocean on the yeah in the winter and of course for so, for my training is the best place to uh, to be prepared for the race season. Sure, but I'm sure in in the middle of um, summer you can train a bit on on where are you on Lake Geneva. Yeah, Lake Geneva. Uh, Lake Geneva is perfect place because we have also downwind conditions. We have flat water mainly, but uh, yeah, for uh, the race, typical races we have in Europe, like really like long distance races, is a perfect training place. Okay, but I'd love to talk about paddle fit because it's kind of, I mean, it, it feels My like baby. kind of a new, uh, yeah, <laughs> it feels like a new thing to, to but it's a, it's a really amazing way to get fit on a paddleboard um, and not many people are doing it around the world. So how did you, did you come up with the idea and how did it start? Um, first of all, I'm a fitness trainer since a long, long time. So now I'm 34 years old and I became a fitness trainer at the age of 22. So uh, you know, fitness was not like a new new thing for me. And when I saw, of course, what the Americans done in 2011, when I became sub instructor, I said, wow, I can do that too, but on a European standard. And uh, what I like about the program I designed is that people keep paddling. We really focus on cardio training. So the paddling is a whole important stuff. We do the exercise, we do the static exercise, but it's uh, important for me that people get really in shape. And this is mainly happening about cardio. And of course, they come for paddling. They're not coming for sitting on the board, right? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah, coming for some exercise. But more or less, how long would a, would a paddle foot exercise take? You know, how many hours? Uh, normally, the classes I teach is one hour, 15 minutes. Uh, the 15 minutes is important because I want to have minimum one hour workout on water with for the people, as we do it also in fitness classes mainly. But people have to go out of the water and coming back. So the 15 minutes, like, it's, a, it's important, yeah. For groups. Like a transition Yeah, it's period. a transition yeah. and also having, like, a group really controlled. And so we have really 60 minutes on the, on the water. And our program is designed on four parts. So really warm-up, um, core exercises, uh, balance and technical training and after of course stretching so okay so can you take us through that in a little bit more detail so you start off with a, with a warm-up right yeah the warm-up normally depends on the weather conditions i teach my instructors that they have options on the land and on the lake or on the sea so you can do your warm-up wherever you want but the warm-up is like five, five to ten minutes depends every time on the weather conditions and then, of course, people, I start normally with the cardio part as I do the same in, in indoor is the same. So paddling, doing maybe some buoy tra training because, you know, especially for girls, you have to disguise a bit the technical part because they think this is boring. Mm -hmm. 
So you have to okay. get some fun. But like, so, so you basically pedal for, for the for the second section. And is that kind of like when you get into the gym and you get on a bicycle or a exactly. treadmill and you start off? Exactly. Listening get, out. The okay. go, get the body a bit warm up and uh, also going, get the system uh, ready for some workouts. Cool. Okay. And so then what happens after the, after the cardio training? After the cardio training, normally we do core training. So core, it's the whole body. Uh, we can do some, um, you know, like typical exercise, some squats with combination of the paddle. So we push the paddle upward over the head and do some squats with this, with the arms. Or we sit on the board and we do some abs exercise, but every time like fluid movements for me, it's like static movements. It's time for myself as trainers, boring. So I put people more in like um, combinations. So every time upper body, lower body is everything connected. So they get the time is going faster for them. <laughs> they, cool. they keep concentrated because they have to be careful and it's all easy so for me it's really a main part that all these parts are accessible to all fitness levels because we have okay. we have not so many people like me on the water <laughs> sure <laughs> so what, what happens after the after the core training after is that when the you core you... training as normally i don't want to fall them in the water depends on the weather but i want to work with them balance training so we do paddling where we maybe skip a bit the board from left to right so we have a nice exercise called the wave maker or uh, you know walking on the board or something like that so balance training mainly where they're a bit you know a bit focused on board and paddle and still the the core muscles work out so it's still workout but they get more safer on the board and this is more important for me that they sure, I tried that the other day with a with a lady. She was over over sixty and uh, um, with a, with the wave maker exercise, yeah. and she promptly fell off immediately. So <laughs> we had to work a little bit on that. Yeah, but but for me, it's important that some people, the most of the people, especially with this exercise where you skip really left and right the board, that they have to get the hip loose. You know, the hip problem is every time a big problem, even in main paddling, because we're all kind all kind of stiff in that. So they focus and I see a, a good development from one class to another that people get more confidence and, uh, you know, they hear me and say, okay, think about your hips. And after that, it's working. Not for the yeah. first moment, but yeah. <laughs> okay. And how many times would you recommend people do this, if, um, you know, on a regular basis, every week or twice a week? Or? You know, I have a lot of people who uh, already that didn't, uh, did, they did my instructor training, for example, but for themselves. So they, they paddle, for example, four times a week, and they put some exercise in their daily or weekly paddle routine. I would say two classes is really perfect as a main class, like with group uh, group dynamic, you know, like we have normal group fitness classes. So there's, mm-hmm. it's a bit stronger. And uh, if not, people can do some exercise if they like some exercise, like the plank or, you know, like the squat every time when they paddle as they use right. warm up. So they come along for a lesson mainly to, to learn how to do it, and then they'll carry on and doing those exercises on their own, right? In their own. Um, the main customer is typical for, uh, unfortunately for me, girls, <laughs> because they want to join a group and they want to paddle together with people, so they share. They don't want to paddle alone. But when they went aboard, I saw them a lot long a lot time uh, on the water. They put some exercise on the board while they're paddling. So one hour they went aboard and they do some squats and some planks. So I think people pick out the exercise they know how to do best and where they feel the results and put this whenever they want. 
Sure. Okay. okay. And do you think that um, paddle fit as a as a genre is growing a lot? And are there specific boards um, for it, or do you just use any type of board? Honestly, I have to say that in the in the at the moment, and I'm talking purely about paddle fit, and I have no problem to say that uh, we are like in the stagnation. Actually, I have less demand than than last year. But um, it's not that bad for myself because I said to myself, okay, now the people or the comp- uh, the countries, they put uh, some restrictions on stand-up paddle instructor certifications. So people get now um, certified on basic programs and after they will come back to us. The main, base, uh, the main grow I see is in sub yoga, which is understandable. But um, I think, uh, and this is my personal opinion, nothing against sub yoga teachers, whatever. Sub yoga, I think it's really great. But I think we lose a bit the paddle stuff. We still on the board with a paddle. And uh, sure. if I want to do yoga on the lake or on the sea, I can do this also on an inflatable platformer or whatever. But yeah, people mm-hmm. are super interested. And what's really important, the most important thing, paddle, fit, soap, yoga, whatever, people getting people out of the gym in the nature, wellness, this is a big headline. And Absolutely. It's a totally different environment, isn't it? When you're out in the elements and instead of being in a, in a uh, warm gym. Yeah. And this is actually the first feedback I get from everybody. Ah, this exercise I know, uh, but in the gym, I, I think it's boring, but here it's challenge. So I think it's the best mm. advertising we can get. Absolutely. And it's great because you've got to deal with all kinds of different environmental changes and waves and wind and all kinds of stuff. And uh, what, for example, for us in our certification is important that part of it, you can normally train our program. You can train in all weather conditions. So be careful, not in storms, not rain, whatever. But if I have wind on my lake and I have this often, I'm not canceling the the class because my people come to the to the to the lake and they want to paddle. So, yeah, they want to work out. So I guess, so. A different exercise, but uh, still paddle fits, just fitness and cardio training. So I think uh, this is also really important that you don't limit yourself in teaching these classes to only flat water and pure, you know, no wind, nothing. Sure, I guess those elements can help and increase the, um, the exercise for the people. And the safety, because if people are used to go out with me in these windy conditions and they know they're capable to do that, and if they rent one time aboard and the wind change, which happens pretty often, they say they know oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I can come back. I have the power and I know the technique and I know the security position and everything. So sure. this is most important. Okay, and how about you, Suzanne? What about how did you find paddleboarding? Because we love to talk to people about how they first went for a paddleboard and, and got hooked. Because you must have been hooked. I remember, uh, I remember as it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> how long ago was it? It was 2010 actually, and it was here in the Lake of Geneva. And there was one windsurf center who started, yeah, renting some boards. And I said, wow, that's cool because I'm come from surfing. So I'm, I was a surfer, a normal surfer before, but you imagine in Switzerland, we don't really have waves. So you sure. only have your vacation. And when I saw this board coming and seeing some people doing this, I said, ah, this is for me. And of course, first time on the board, I fell every time in the water. I said, wow, this is not possible. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not capable to do that. And after, of course, some tricks and getting every, every day renting, I was think after the first time, I think I was renting a board five times a week. And I got really, really uh, stoked by that. And uh, of course, after you look on YouTube and in t- 2010, there were not so much information about technique, nothing. So we padded as we could. And uh, yeah, first, first, first love. <laughs> 
So what made you take it on? Obviously, it started just as a hobby for you, but but with being a personal trainer, when did you make the connection between paddle fit and and normal paddling? Um, It started with my sub-instructor certification. I did at at this time in 2011, the year after in IUSAP. Now I think these federations or this association is not anymore existing, but uh, the the guys uh, who who were our teachers at this time, they talked to me and I said, ah, oh, I'm coming from fitness. I would like to put some exercise on the board because I saw this on, in the States. And uh, they said, ah, oh, wow, if you want to do sometimes workshops or clinics and you prepare something, uh, yeah, let us know. And I said, ah, oh, they're not so wrong. And after I, I worked really one winter on a book for myself and I tried this with first customers and after it go more far, more far with, uh, yeah, creating a certification program because in fitness, as I'm a fitness instructor so, for so many years, I know how this works. I went to many uh, instructor trainings as well. I was going to say, because that can't be that easy, creating a certification no. from scratch. No, no, no. But after mm-hmm. you pick the ideas from 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 all kind of uh, experience, I got from other certifications where I was happy, why I wasn't happy to have the certification. You know, it's, it's basic stuff, but all the fitness in um, association worldwide, they are all private and they're all having their own met- methodology. So, and I picked mine and I tried this with people here in Switzerland first. And after I went to Spain the first time and every time when I got good feedback and also negative feedback, if I get, you get negative feedback, you can grow faster. And sure. uh, I think, uh, yeah, that helped me to, to grow. So as a, um, also, and so how more or less how many people or how many countries are, is Paddlefoot in uh, Paddlefoot Europe? Uh, countries I cannot really say, but we have now over 60, 60 instructors. And, wow, it's a lot. Yeah, and part of them, are so, a lot, so you have to be a bit careful with these numbers because I have a lot of people came to my certification for themselves. So they said, I want to do the certification to do for myself the training and for my girlfriends. So, right, so they're not active instructors. Yeah, maybe not active instructors in their country, or, but they're just doing this for fun and not for money. But after I have sure. really serious people in Spain, for example, I have a really great center in Barcelona. I'm really happy about that. And uh, in Fuerteventura, I also have an uh, instructor who do, does a lot of uh, advertising, which is not every time easy in, in some places. Huh? Ocean and lakes are different. <laughs> Sure. Uh, what about the UK? Are you based? Uh, have you got any instructors there? Or? No, not yet. And I didn't really get a lot of um, requests. But uh-huh. uh, maybe this depends also what I said before. Now, a lot of European countries start to put their own certification, basic certification uh, in line to keep safety and, you know, professional sub-instruction in, uh, forward. And after people get ready to to have other programs, because Paddlefit, and I, I have to say it also, sub yoga are additional programs. If you don't know mm-hmm. how to paddle, if you don't know how to teach people, don't do that. Sure, fair enough. Yeah, it's definitely a supplemental thing. Yeah. So now tell me about your race career, because I see on your website that you got an incredible some races and results. Did you start racing in 2013? Uh, officially in 2012, because I did the first race here in Switzerland, Swiss Championship, and we are kind of 10 people. <laughs> which was really really fun and after i i got um i had really a special moment with a girl called jen scully she's the owner of uh, live loves up and now she became mom 
couple of days. Oh, yes. Oh, she really had a baby. Yeah, she had a little girl, Mackenzie. So, and she, I met her in Switzerland in 2012. And uh, we were doing the Swiss championship together. And since then, there was a big uh, friendship growing. And she motivated me. She said, yeah, you have to do some races, Susan. You are in Europe. You, you, you can do that. And I said, okay. Uh, I'm not an athlete like, uh, you know, like history, like other athletes. They're coming from other competition sports. So I tried and I did some stuff 2012, 2013 without any coaches. So on this, the level was normal. It was okay. And after, of course, you get bored, which is more competitive. I'm really happy with the sponsor here in Switzerland, Hobie Stand-Up Hall. They give me really nice, nice boards. But yeah. And how did you get around uh, to, to getting sponsorship by Hobie? That's great. Uh, because uh, here in Switzerland, um, well, it depends on the person here because he wanted to push me and he said, okay, I invest money in you. But of course, we have a partnership. I also sell boards and with Padafit in Switzerland, we do a lot of promotion for Hobie. So it's kind of giving and taking. It's a good balance. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's already the third year that I get one of these super nice raw boards. I just got yesterday my new babies. So I'm really happy. I'm a happy girl. <laughs> awesome. So what do you race? I mean, is it a, it's a 14-foot board, right? Both. I have 12, 6, and 14-foot. And uh, now it's what it's, this is called Apex. Apex Race U, uh, USA Pro, whatever. They have a special names. They change every year. But mm. yeah, this year I race for international races for 12, 6, uh, 25 and 14 also 25 last year was a bit larger but i don't feel really the difference but how on earth do you try do you transport these boards around because they're huge and trying to get those on an airplane is tough isn't it uh you have to choose the company <laughs> you have to make a big smile when you come to the scanner <laughs> <laughs> and uh, normally and i can tell you nick next time i take a camera on my head because people on airports, they are just looking at you like you're from another planet. Because you're, I'm not that tall. I'm 1 meter 62. And with uh -huh. a large board like a 12.6, they are every time looking at me like I have some a dead body in that. Or I transport clothes. <laughs> or, and it's really, really funny. Because um, actually these boards, are, of course, it's really not really fun to travel with that. And uh, in Europe, it's still okay. Because we have EasyJet, we have Ryanair, we have some charter airlines. They allow these kind of boards. But of course, going to the airport, carrying this uh, to the counter and blah, blah, blah. It's really hard. I don't, sure. I'm not really happy about the Euro tour that they put girts in 14 foot. Um, but it's a decision of people. They are much more important. And um, it doesn't make any sense for girls uh, paddling a 14 footer because we don't have the weight class. We are not mm -hmm. over 80. And uh, yeah, I don't know how I would travel. Uh, my first race will be in Mallorca for my friend um, Laura Ketlas. She's organizing this, uh, actually the Spanish champion. And uh, they do the Port Adriano race, which is one of the beautiful races uh, in Europe. But first time with the, with a 14-footer. So I will look in Geneva uh, the 21, 21st of May with EasyJet if they are still keen to take my board. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. Otherwise, not sure how you're going to get to Mallorca. Oh, without. <laughs> yeah. So last year you came fourth. Are you looking to win this year? No, I win not. Cannot. I'm really Why honest not? with myself. Uh, if there's Sunny coming, which is just a woman who's just far beyond my uh, capability physically and uh, also by anatomy. I'm really working hard. I really want to go third this year because last year was just a, the problem was I was fourth in uh, long distance and I got third in sprint because sprint is just the discipline where I'm a bit more stronger. 
but the long distance every time counts a bit more. So mainly you're, you're, I'm fourth, but um, yeah, it's not the aim really to be first all the time. I prefer to have fun and uh, okay. race with my with myself, not with my ego to say I have to go, I have to, I have to, I have to go. But yeah, there are strong girls, and these girls are like me. They train during the summer, uh, during the winter, with coaches. Now I have really professional support, and um, they are not sleeping. So mm -hmm. it's not so, it's so tough. <laughs> do you train with any of the girls together? And, and what's your relationship like with the other girls on tour? Uh, I have really great relationship with Laura Ketlas because we already organized um, a Chica race camp in Fuerteventura this winter. She's really one of the person I admire the most, and uh, I can also talk the most with her, like all, all, about everything. There are no secrets, no secrets in training, nothing. Cool. And so what's, her, what's her name? Laura Ketlas. Laura Ketlas. Yeah, she's from uh, Sick Team Rider, and she's from Mallorca. Okay. And a uh, person you don't really think that she's a strong paddler because she's not like a, the typical body type of uh, athlete, but she's super strong. And I, am, I admire her for that. And uh, also she had a lot of luck because she says every time I had, she had from the first day a really great coach, a really great person next to her. But uh, yeah, with the other girls we talk, but uh, where there's not so much contact because a lot of girls come living in Australia or, or in America and we see each other on the races. But it's not the same atmosphere as under the guys. And this is, I'm, I think it's a bit sad. Because uh, oh, you mean it's not the same fun atmosphere as no, the guys have no. as the girls have. The guys no, they fight no on the water and after they drink a beer, and the girls yeah. they draft each other and they are angry at each other after, and this is not really fun. <laughs> oh, that's not fun. But tell me the the Nash One World Championship. You came second there. Did you come second to Manka Nota? Yeah. Okay. Because she's really young, isn't she? Yeah, I almost caught her. I almost got the long distance first because it was really a hard race, 13 kilometers with these inflatables with wind. And uh, she just got a drafting, which is a bit more faster than me. But it's it's still it's still fun. Yeah, she's super strong. She's young. She's fresh. She's 45 kilos uh, only heavy. <laughs> wow, that's light. Huh? Nah, she's, she's really strong. She gets really good support from her parents, from Nash as well. She's really a good big part from the Nash family. And uh, she's a great athlete. So I think... Sure. Yeah, the young the youngs are every time for us old ladies because we're not that young, you know. <laughs> they are. Still I don't think you can call yourself an old lady. Yeah, but you are old sport. You know, they see uh, when I see the other girls like Sonny, and me, and uh, Laura, and the others. You know, we are above thirty. So. Yeah, sure. So the the big question is: Did you meet Robbie Nash? Yeah, yeah. Uh, What's he like? He's fun. He's funny. He's he's actually for me impressive because he speaks perfect German, but like. Perfect. You cannot imagine that he's even American, and he's accessible. And you know, even on this Nash tour, and this is a good idea what he did. He came there. He worked there. He's not like the VIP who does nothing. He did with mm -hmm. Chuck Norris. Uh, Chuck Norris, because he's Chuck Patterson. Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he comes really close to Chuck Norris. <laughs> Why? Because he looks a bit like Chuck Norris. No, but, he's big and yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong guy. Um, they did all the race organization. So and the motivate is a good motivator. And yeah. Always open. Ah, so he's very hands-on and very yeah. helpful to to the races. And what was funny, he was paddling with the kids a long distance. So I think this is a good uh, good sign for him that he's yeah. really a normal person. And yeah, I, I, I say I tell you, German just perfect. <laughs> so uh, how does Robbie Nash speak German? I mean, does it, did he have German um, ancestry? I or, have or no paddling? idea. I asked him one time, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I was traveling a lot, and you know, with the windsurf, there was a lot going on in Europe as well." But I have no idea. Uh, I was 
I'm just, I, I'm German, so if I hear some an American talking German like that, I'm surprised. I say, are you married to a German person? <laughs> you have, your wife is German. Or you had a lot of German girlfriends? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the smooth that. So what's next for this year? Are you, um, what, what are your plans for this year? Uh, yeah, this year I have a really full plan from May on for races. But for me also there are big, uh, yeah, big projects coming here in Switzerland because we have now two sub-schools, my partner and me. So uh, one, one school will be really a training center, especially for kids because I want to push a bit more the juniors for next year too. And uh, I would like to come to the BOP this year, but um, the battle of the battle. Yeah, because I trained a lot uh, in the, in Fort Ventura, these typical beach starts with the waves, whatever. And um, I caught a lot of good waves, but I drank also a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had the opportunity to train with really strong guys like Eric Therrien and uh, Bellard Diaz. And we were like a really good group with other people too. So um, this was fun. But uh, the thing is, I'm still um, not the 100% full athlete. So I have to work and everything decides like one month before if I can go or not. Because I don't want to go to the BOP unprepared. I want to go two weeks before getting a bit the... Uh, the place, knowing the waves or whatever. Yeah, because just seeing the videos from last year, the yeah. Battle of the Paddle looked like absolute carnage. I mean, those waves are pretty big. Carnage. The only thing I know is that when I go there, I don't go with my board there. I will get the board there. <laughs> yeah, why? Because it probably won't come back. Yeah, no, 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 no. And I really like my new mm. board. And I don't want to get it broken. <laughs> what about um, inflatables for a race like that? I mean, I know there was a guy called Sam Ross from the UK who took over a red paddle inflatable. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about racing an inflatable? If there was, if there were people saying now, hey guys, all overseas races or even the World Championship, we do on inflatables, I would be 1000% with them. It's a pain. <laughs> and I think now the, the inflatable, especially Red Paddles and even Hobie, they did some really good, good boards. So mm. I don't know. I saw an article that uh, Dave Kalama wrote yeah, about um, exactly. changing. Yeah, it looked like a really good idea because obviously it must be very difficult to transport those boards around the world. I th you know what? Honestly, um, I traveled a lot now with boards. Um, last year I did, I think, more than 10, 10 travels with boards. And uh, if it's every time one tr one trip, one way, it's okay. But the time you have to get uh, like a, a change in Madrid or whatever, I don't know. It's I think it's not, uh, you, the board will not make it because the people... Uh, uh, right. When you're taking the board through the airport and, yeah. and trying to make a connection. Yeah, yeah. connection flights, I think they are most of the, the problems. Mm -hmm. And actually, I have uh, some feedback from Mexico <laughs> because I have friends who are not going now to the uh, World Championship because they cannot get the boards down. Because all when they fly via the States, because the States is normally main point for good flights, cheap flights, and intern flights to Mexico and the intern flights from the U.S., the, most of the companies are not transporting boards more over two, two, two meters. Oh, so, that's bad, no? I don't know. So what's going to happen to the ISA World Championship? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they will what, come there. Were you going to paddle for Switzerland? No. Um, here's the thing. I'm German. Uh, so I'm, a, I'm an alien for both countries because in the German championship, I still have to show it to some girls because they're a bit picky in my German passport. And uh, in Switzerland, I had the title for a couple of years. Last year, I did first in Swiss championships, but I couldn't take the title because there were Swiss girls 
But the problem is we have in Switzerland um, a foreigner country, a resident country. And a lot of people don't have the passport, even they live like me, like almost 12 years here. We have like foreigner pass. And even people are born here and they don't have the passport. And I always say to the to the association, uh, federation, hey guys, do you want to open this sport for all the people or not? So open mm-hmm. this also because in other sports, it's, it's the same sailing. You can be a Swiss champion with a foreign passport, but with a residence. Yeah, a lot, a lot of other sports, you can be residents yeah. of other countries. And I mean, for example, football, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same kind of story because I've been in Portugal for 15 years, but I'm still, I've got a... Yeah, the thing is also for me, uh, I have a lot of time the problem uh, for which country I'm racing in international races because I have to make the inscription with my actually address. So a lot of times behind my name is every time the CH, even I'm German and other people don't understand that I cannot put the German address because I don't have anyone more. (laughs) Well, that's what I'd also like to talk about is Fuerteventura. So is it really, I heard somebody mention that it was the Hawaii of Europe. Is that correct? The, not only for Ventura, I think the main Canary Islands, you can call this like the Hawaii of, uh, of uh, Europe because of climate, the conditions, because also of uh, windsurfing, you know, Hawaii, Maui, you have also a lot of windsurfing. And of course, in Lanzarote and in Tenerife and uh, for Ventura, you have really world class waves when they're good conditions. So, mm. uh, and it's, 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 it's close, but um I fell in love as well with the waves in uh, Portugal. So the only problem in Portugal is the wind is a bit colder. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit colder. Yeah, but it's not too bad no. eh, when you when you get to summer. So no, no, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot better than the UK. I think uh, I do a lot of advertising for Europe because I think we go every time really far to catch waves and whatever, and we have everything in front of the door. And uh, why exactly, you got the biggest wave in the world in Portugal. Exactly, and we have like I remember my first time I caught a wave in Arifana, and I was like the luckiest girl on the earth because there were no one. And yeah, I was there last week. It was fantastic, absolutely beautiful Plastic, down in Arifana. Perfect water, people are nice. I think Portugal is a good opportunity, especially when I talk about people in Switzerland. We have great conditions from Geneva to Lisbon with EasyJet, and we have so many options. Don't go too far. We don't need to go too far to catch some waves. <laughs> Yes, come to Portugal, come to Portugal. Exactly, Perfect. support other countries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. Well, um, thank you so much, Suzanne. It's been really wonderful speaking to you. Thank and, you. Um, <laughs> wish you all the best for this uh, this season. Yeah, we see you tomorrow. With, I will try first time my 14-footer. Yes, I was with a 12-6 on the water and I found love. So uh, we see you tomorrow what happened with the 14. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Thank Thanks. you, Nick. And uh, have a good season too. And I hope maybe we see each other on one of the events. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to SUP FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you in the water.